great to have you here. Uh, I am with uh, a friend of mine who goes to our church, Cole Marshke. Did I say the last name right? You did. You did. Okay. Now, again, this is a very organic conversation. So we've not we've done no real pre work work stuff, and we're still figuring out who we want to be when we grow up. <laughs> It's a work in progress. It is a work in progress. It's been received very well so far. So thank you guys so much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And have you watched it yet? I not yet. Oh, I that's even saw... better. Yeah. <laughs> Scrolling through Facebook and I saw you two in this cool studio. And now you're on there. And I said, boy, wow, wow someday. someday. <laughs> <laughs> Look, mom, I made it. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I made it to the Zion podcast. Woo! Uh, <laughs> So we are, we're in this year of becoming, and really, again, the goal of this podcast is more like coaching. It is spiritually, how can we encourage you throughout the week uh, to continue? Because here's the thing, following Jesus isn't easy. And in fact, sometimes we forget to do it. And I think those there's little things we can do throughout the week to encourage us. And even if it's just on your car ride home. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in the gym, being able to be reminded of things. And, and again, we talk somewhat from the message and what we've talked about on Sunday, but we're trying to approach this more from a, let's just talk practically. And sometimes the message is going to fit. Other times we're just going to talk about things that are happening in culture and mm-hmm. what does that mean for our faith. So here's why I asked Cole. You are a doctor, correct? I am. That's why I asked you. So I already knew that. I don't know why I asked if that was correct. Certification. So, what do you uh, what What do you practice? What's your medicine? So I'm an emergency medicine physician. Okay, so, so all work. kinds of cool stuff there. Yeah, so anything that walks through the door, I have to take care of. So we say cradle the grave. Um, it could be a three-day-old. It could be delivering a baby. It could be someone uh, who's lived 90 years of their life, and I'm helping them through those last minutes or last breaths of their life. Wow. Heart attacks, lacerations. So all of it. Anything that comes through the door. Now, um, but So here's the thing that interested me, and, and this is part of the reason why I wanted you to be on here. You went to Moody Bible College. Tell I us did. a little bit about that. And then what, I, what we're going to talk about today is specifically we're talking about the soul but more importantly, the body and its connection to the soul, which I'm like, what better conversation to have than somebody who's a doctor, which is all about the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but tell us, you went to Moody. What made you go to Moody and then what made you decide to become a doctor? Yeah, yeah and it, you know, I oftentimes uh, tell my story of how God has directed me where I am. And I say that, you know, if the ship is moving, he can be the one who's the rudder. Yeah. And he'll direct you. And so I had a lot of different pathways. You know, I hit South America and I was over in Europe too. Um, it was all. So over literally, the place. you had different, like. It was, it was all over. That's not so. metaphorical. That's well, like... it's, it's that too. But, um, <laughs> you know, but I, you know, so I, it started out, I didn't know what I wanted to do out of, after high school. Okay. My brother was an engineer. Um, he said, go, go be an engineer, make a lot of money. And so uh, I knew I wanted a biblical foundation. So I actually went to Northwestern University. Where uh, I went, went to? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. And I took a year of Bible classes. Um, I studied some Greek. Um, I did a whole bunch of uh, epistles and wanted to get a Bible certificate for a year, um, but then move on to, and I was going to do software engineering. I wow. wanted to work. So you really didn't know what you wanted to be when you grew no, up? No, not medicine at all. <laughs> yeah. And I thought maybe I'd be at uh, work, do software engineering, and do maybe work for Wycliffe Bible translators. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and through life, uh, through a broken engagement at a young age, um, my life just kind of sent me for a whirlwind. And I had done some several mission trips through my teens. And when I got uh, when my engagement broke off, I got a call from the mission organization that I had gone on a trip with, and they said, "Would you be a leader?" I was 19. Would you be a leader wow. and, and go somewhere in the world and take a whole bunch of teenagers? 
And so I ended up in Australia for a summer being a leader for 19 teenagers as a 19 year old. Wow. wow. And uh, it was a. Uh, so really equipped at 19 to do leading. Yeah, like... Exactly. <laughs> what a stretching point. But um, I came back from that. I had already just finished um, some software engineering and I said, I don't think that's really for me. I think I want to be around people. Yeah. So I, I thought maybe I'd be a youth pastor. Um, but I looked at the curriculum at Moody, um, and it, I got to Moody because uh, a, a leader from our church came behind me and or came beside me and said, "Cole, have you? Do you know what you want to do? Have yeah. you thought about Moody?" And it was just like it was it was God working through him. Wow. So I ended up at Moody. Um, I did the pastoral studies program because I wanted to get more biblical languages, <laughs> and so I studied Greek and Hebrew and did my pastoral pre-seminary um, degree. But while there, God steered it again a little differently, and I had read a, a book on Christian missions. And uh, I said, boy, I could be a Christian missionary. And there was a specifically a section about medical missionaries. Okay. And that was the spark for medicine. And I had just completed an EMT course, mm. and he was working all that together wow. into this big pathway. And so rather than jumping from that, jumping into medicine right away, I said, I need to finish my degree. So yeah. I finished out the pastoral degree. I said, what a great foundation. I still had to do three more years of undergrad after that to get all the prerequisites for medical school and then went on and uh, did med school and residency. So in in the midst of all that, and, and this is why, uh, it's just, I mean, we did lunch a couple of weeks ago, about a month or two yeah. months ago. Nobody cares. It's just, we did lunch a little while <laughs> we ago. We had lunch. It was a good <laughs> lunch. Um, you know, I think one of the things that happens in the church particularly is there are two traps that we can fall into. And, and part of it, it's because our culture has gotten into this. The first one is that our bodies don't really matter. And uh, we're, right now in church, we're talking about our soul, soul formation specifically. And uh, Dallas Willard, who's one of my favorite theologians from a spiritual formation perspective, uh, he says it this way, is who you are as a person, the soul is not something you are, it is who you are, but it's not all of who you are. Uh, and then he says he divides the soul up into you have your body, you have your mind, which is your emotions and uh, and your feelings and desires. And then you have your heart, which is decision making and will and then relationships. And the soul is what holds those all together. That's the inner working of a person. And the illustration that he uses is like picture the soul is like the software system on your phone. And it's the operating system. It's always running. And you never know your soul's out of whack until one of the apps or the phone starts acting up. And how it reveals that there's a soul issue is it reveals itself through your body or through your emotions or through your heart, uh, through who you are. And so as we've been talking about the body, I think the other trap, so the first one is that the body doesn't really matter. You're just a soul. Mm -hmm. uh, and there was a Disney movie that came out, Soul, which actually I thought was a really fun and beautiful movie. But part of our culture has said the soul is really who you are and it's beautiful and perfect. And, and that's really what you need to strive to be is who you are at your soul level is the authentic you. But that's not what the Bible tells us. Yeah. The Bible tells us our soul is corrupted and broken just because it's affected by the world. You can't go through a broken world and not have a soul that's been affected. Mm -hmm. The other lie is that you have to match your outside with your inside and so therefore, because of that, if your outside doesn't match the inside, uh, you have to fix the outside in order to heal the soul. And this leads into all kinds of issues from body image stuff, sexual identity, gender. Um, and I I'm curious, so let's talk about it from a doctor perspective. And again, I love the theological because you have that theological background. 
as you get into medicine, how does your faith, how does it influence how you, and I realize you may not be able to talk about the gospel with people in a work environment, but how does it influence or affect how you care for people's bodies? Because those bodies are attached to souls. But I'd, I'd love to hear how does, how is your faith, how does your understanding of soul and body, how does it affect how you care for individuals when you're from a doctor perspective? Yeah, I think it hits from so many perspectives. If I can think through a day that I'll take care of patients. So unfortunately, um, prior to and after COVID, uh, mental health is yeah. a huge topic. We're going to be talking about mental health in the next couple of weeks as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I deal with tons of mental health. There's a lack of mental health um, services for people. Yeah. So we see a lot of people that come in and that may manifest as a what we call somatic disorder. Yep. And there's there's. Can you just define a somatic? Yeah. So I, so, soma's body. Soma, yeah. yeah. So something that manifests as a, a bodily ache or or a, a problem that can be something that's true. So we see a lot of um, gastrointestinal disorders, yeah. people with chronic abdominal discomfort, um, chronic diarrhea. You, we know that people get that. That's the, right. We totally went into the diarrhea yeah, route. Yeah. We, we always get, talk about poop. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> of my dinner table, there's a conversation about the topic is off limits. But you know, it, it, so we see those physical manifestations because of somebody's um, mental health. Yeah, and that that's direct to their soul, right? And how yeah. they're how they're feeling, how they feel about themselves. Um, so I may see those sorts of things. I see things from from that mental health perspective with people who do self harm. Yeah, mm. um, which is so affecting much. the body, dealing because now again you've got that depending on how many views you have. So some will hold what's called the tripart Correct. Uh, part of the body. There's some people argue there's four parts to the human soul, three parts. Some will say there is no soul. It's just material. But in and, and, and the coming weeks, we're going to be talking about the mental and emotional side. And those are two different things. Yeah. Um, they're connected. They're all part of the mind. But if I'm hearing what you're saying is, so when somebody comes in, you'll see because of mental stuff or emotional health, that then translates from the body, but there's a connection at a soul level yeah. that is also coming. Now, again, I know because I know other doctors, not all doctors believe in a soul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Some hold to a material view, which is just deal with the outside. If you can just deal with the physical, yeah. everything will work itself out. As you're dealing with people and their somatic kind of the way of handling stuff, how does it shape, even from maybe from a diagnostic perspective? Because I'm, I know as a doctor, you're limited on the things that you can practice, because let's be honest, our medicine is based on pure physical and, and the yeah. Western side. Mm -hmm. You go to Eastern medicine, now it's all spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, how, do you, how do you personally connect those? And, and I know, I'm sure you probably pray for individuals, yes. but in the level of care that you're doing, I mean, is there a way that you can get to that soul issue and without over, because I know it's got to be hard to not cross that boundary. What is, is. And there are patients that will be more receptive to that. Yeah. And I, I listen for the gentle prods of the Holy Spirit for that. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think that how I attack that patient, um, how they attack that, attack that problem that they've presented with may be different than somebody who only looks at it from a scientific perspective. Yeah. That we are mm -hmm. simply um, people who've evolved over time and, yeah. and we don't have that soul. We have neurochemical that. things. There's no soul. It's just material. But, I mean, yeah. you, know, the, you know, the Bible talks about us being 
our bodies have been woven together, yeah. that God had very intent purposes for creating this body, but we live in a sinful world. Yeah. And it's it's not a perfect body. So do I believe that the body can self-heal and there's no need for to be a doctor, that there's no need for medicine? I don't believe that. Yeah. I believe that I can be a helper, though. And so if I come at it saying, I can help these people by giving them some medicines, mm-hmm. by um, doing these tests and perhaps yeah. doing these things and not being a miracle worker and the person who's going to, I'm going to fix your problem, Ooh. but I'm going to come alongside this amazing God who we serve yeah. and help your body who's you know ravaged by the sinful world we live in to heal. Yeah. The body has a lot of amazing capabilities. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm I've come with that mindset that I can do that. And I, I I know a lot. I feel like I'm a really good physician and I hear that a lot. But I'm I am praying for these patients yeah. Yeah. on the side very often. And and I you know, I do something that I think is um I think is medically appropriate that I've um, researched and it's it's evidence based. But I'm on the backside saying, Lord, yeah. do your work. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the one of the names for God is the great physician, the great healer. Yeah. And what it reminded me of, so I'm a guy who I'm, I know a lot about a little and a little about a lot, mm-hmm. right? And I know there's been research on the importance of compassion mm-hmm. in healing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I was in my eh, 30s, probably 34, 35, somewhere around there, uh, I was interviewing for a job in Kansas City. And I've been having some abdominal pain for a while. And hey, I was at my, my best friend, Jason Bones' house. <laughs> I still remember this. Lisa was back in Minnesota. I'm interviewing for this job. And all of a sudden, my stomach started hurting really bad. Mm-hmm. And I, I go to him like, hey, do you have any gas X? I think I had gas, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, no. And I'm like, well, I'll just wait it out. About an hour later, I'm like, where's 7-Eleven or just some place that I can go get some gas X? I get, get some gas X. It's not getting any better. Three hours later, I literally crawl to his bed. And I'm like, I need to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And it's like 1 o'clock in the morning at this point. And the doctor, now I've discovered that ER doctors late at night, some of them don't always have the nicest bedside manners because they're tired. (laughs) And so I come in and and the guy goes, well, here's the thing. I can't tell you exactly what's wrong. You have one of two things. You either have cancer or you have gallbladder (laughs) attack. And I'm like, can you you nail one of those down (laughs) for me? And he was just, there was no compassion. It was either you've got cancer or it's a gallbladder. And I'm like, which one is it? He goes, I can't tell you. And I'm like, Okay, and then he gave me morphine. I fell asleep, and then I, my interview started at 7.30 in the morning. And I literally, I get up at 6.30, get cleaned up. I go to a 14-hour interview. Wow. And, I mean, it's horrible, right? But I was thinking about that, like, in his mind, and I don't know this doctor. I mean, this was over 10 years ago. It's like 15 years ago now. He didn't care about my soul whatsoever. If he would have, he would have been like, hey, I know you're, I know you're struggling. I'm sure you're afraid. It's one of these things. For him, it was just it's one of these things, boom, boom. And that level of compassion, it affected me at a soul level. Now I can laugh about it now. And sure enough, I always had a gallbladder attack and had my gallbladder out a little bit later. I had gall sludge. sludge. I didn't have stones. Oh, I had yeah. gall sludge. sludge. Um, I wonder, and this is, I think, what I, I think sometimes we run into with the issue of our bodies and our soul is, and, and you kind of mentioned this, when our souls are not in the right place, that throws the rest of us off. And ultimately, we believe that Christ, healing for your soul, can only come from the one who created your soul, which is Jesus. So if you try and heal your soul through fixing the body, it, it can't do that. Just like you can't fix the operating system of your phone by changing an app. Um, no, you have to do an update to the app, right? Or to the, to the whole operating system. 
but what is the as you think about the role in in faith and spirituality how as a doctor do you approach people who on a soul level i mean again sometimes it's real trauma it's not somatic it's not because they're stressed but they physically got something on how does that role of compassion and having that heart of jesus affect how you doctor is that the word yeah how do you how do you practice practice <laughs> practice medicine yeah. yeah how does that how does that work itself out for you yeah i think that i think that you'll if you talk to the people that i work with um and other physicians who act the same way i think that they'll see that the compassion probably um you know, I, I guess, you know, we do randomized studies and, and check if it's truly working. But I think subjectively, I can see that patients will notice that laying out of hands, a gentle hand to the side, that's yeah. a form of compassion. But I think that there's benefit to it. Um, uh, the nurse said to me yesterday with a patient, she said, I love that you get down to the patient's level and sit with them. Yeah. Mm. A lady who was going through a terrible time mentally mm. and wanted to harm herself. Um, so that, I think that um, whether it be a, they, they're coming in with a heart attack and they're in extreme somatic pain, yeah. but coming beside them, a hand on their side and, and saying, you know, we're going to do our best. We, we have the most up-to-date medicine that we can apply to you. Yeah. I think those things outside of just saying, hey, we're going to take care of you and be being dogmatic and um, military-ish about it, yeah. um, I think those things make a difference. Do you find... Um from a care perspective, it feels like particularly in Christian circles, evangelical circles, there's kind of a, it doesn't matter what we do with our bodies because as long as I'm praying and I read my Bible and so I don't need to take care of myself. I got convicted of this. And I've, I've had this a couple times where I've been convicted of my physical health. Yeah. Um, but like things like diabetes, things that are preventable diseases by caring for your body. Uh, what would you say to somebody from a Christian perspective? Why should a Christian care about caring for their bodies? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to our bodies being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, I mean, this is, we are feel fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, we had a, you know, God knit us together. This is, we, our bodies have, they're, they're so much part of our, our soul. You know, from um, we're born um, we go through life, and any of those hardships that we go through, they, you know, it affects our body um, physically, emotionally. Yeah, um, yeah I think that. Um, I guess I lost my train of thought there. It's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, why should Christians take care of their bodies? Like, yeah. Why does that matter? Why? Why don't we just focus on? Well, just pray. I'm just gonna pray. Yeah. Um, why is it important? Yeah, it's hard to uh, to show people that we value this thing that God has given us yeah. if we're not taking care of it. So it's a stewardship issue. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think the other side is, okay, so uh, I think the other part is some Christians assume that as Christians we should not have pain. Uh, and, and one of the things that we, we talked about is what if the goal of, and I felt like the Lord gave me this word this week as I was preparing for this message. I think so often we're fixated on healing, fixing, um doing whatever we can to fix the pain on the physical or emotional. And God doesn't always heal that, right? Yeah. And in fact, we know that ultimately, the ultimate healing isn't going to happen until after we die and we have resurrected bodies, according to Scripture. But what if the goal is not about our healing? And that doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for healing. Mm -hmm. What if it's about our maturing? Mm 
And, and you know, here's what I, I, I'm wondering is a mature believer sees this temple and says, oh, I need to steward this well. This is God has given me one life and, and I can take advantage of this and I can neglect it. Uh, or I can take advantage of it and use it for the, the right things that God has called it to. But either way, I'm taking advantage of it one way or another. One is taking advantage of assuming it's just going to be fine. The other is taking advantage of the fact that I have a body and being grateful for it. Um, but we, we look at this, and if we're not careful, I think we can lose sight of the fact that, I mean, let's go back to that. I, I like I think there are four primary sides to our soul that have nuances to them because I think relationships are also part of our soul. Mm. Um, but your physical health, I mean, a couple, a couple weeks ago, I was having some physical discomfort going on in my body and I found myself getting short with people. And I was actually, I wasn't angry at God, but like small things would set me off and, and I was having a hard time paying attention. Well, how can you hear the Holy spirit or listen to God when you're in constant pain um, if you're not either one getting to that, but on the flip side, what happens with somebody who has chronic pain? Yeah. Does that say that they can't hear the Holy Spirit? And and I think sometimes we go in and saying, well, God, if you just fix this issue, then I'd be fine. And what if really what God is saying, no, I want you to learn how to find joy in the midst of that because you're going to have suffering. Mm -hmm. These bodies break. These bodies are, uh, I love in, in Corinthians when he calls them perishable, the, I think a better translation of that word, or at least not better, more nuanced is corruptible. Our bodies are all corruptible. That's that's what aged is, right? Our cells are degrading. <laughs> we get wrinkles. We get arthritis. Like this side of heaven. And so maturing is realizing that we're, we're grateful even for the body that doesn't work the way we want it to because nobody works the way it wants to or it's supposed to. Yeah. That's part of sin. Um, and we're not an island either. Yeah. Like, everybody goes through that aging process. Everybody goes through yeah. these hardships. And I think that um, the ability to get through those things and do it from a spiritual perspective where you might be in chronic pain, but you are attempting to be dependent on the Holy Spirit, yeah. trusting yeah. in him through those times that ideally you get through that spot. You know, I, I know my wife dealt with chronic headaches every day for three years yeah. and dizziness every day for three years. And she had, you know, through the through amazingness, we were able to find what was wrong finally, and she had a surgery, and she's virtually fixed after that. Wow. A, a brain surgery. Wow. And um, the empathy that she can have for someone else that's now going yeah. through chronic pain sure. and to come alongside them and to say, you know, I've been there. Because yeah. it's hard for me. You know, I can, I can sometimes tell a patient something, but when you can have somebody who says, I've been there, yeah. and I've gotten through it, and let me tell you how I got through it. Yeah. And to be that, you know, the the arrow that's pointing to scripture, yeah. to prayer life, to dependence on the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, Paul played for his thorn in the flesh. Three times. Right? Take it away, God. And right. It, it, yeah. it wasn't. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he matured through that, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, and that's what he tells us is he says, you know, our suffering produces character, character, perseverance, perseverance, or perseverance, character, yeah. which is really maturity. Character is maturity. Uh, are you familiar? You're probably familiar with Henry Nouwen. I don't think so. Okay, so he was a, a Catholic theologian, really popular among evangelicals in the 80s, 90s. Uh, I think he died late 90s. Um, very well-known Catholic priest, had been writing books, got really famous. And one day, 
uh, in his in his writings, he talks about the loneliness that he felt. And he later confessed that he had been dealing with same-sex attraction and never, he told very few people about it because he had dedicated his sexuality to the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I think that's also part of our, our, our inner and outer. Some people think, well, my, my soul, I feel like I'm this, so that this is how I need to act. Well, that's not maturing. I don't let my children do whatever they want to. Yeah. My goal is to help them to treat and to govern based upon what is the right thing to do, right? Well, he eventually left the spotlight like he was world famous, selling books, speaking, and he went to go serve what was called La Arc Community. And La Arc Community was for severely disabled, mentally, physically handicapped individuals. And in his in his uh, memoirs, he shares about how he comes in and there's this, I don't even remember the young man's name, but um, from a, 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 an intellectual perspective, this kid was like nine months old, mm -hmm. but he was 30 in his body or something like that. Sure. And here he is. Here's this world-famous guy who everybody knows is reading his writing. His identity was found in this. And now he's changing the diaper of a grown man who doesn't know anything about him but has all this joy and laughter like a newborn baby does. Yeah. And I think part of our soul, the reason why this conversation is so important, is there is a theology around disability. And if we're not careful, we can assume that because if somebody's disabled, they can't have souls that are beautiful and whole in the Lord. Sure. Mm -hmm. And and now all of a sudden we look at somebody with a physical dis disability and just think they're less than a person, but mm -hmm. your body doesn't make you wholly who you are. Your body is part of your soul, but it is not the whole of your being. Uh, same thing with intellect. And, you know, I think about, I'm five foot six and I so desperately, so <laughs> desperately, I mean, I remember praying, God, can you just give me like six more inches? Like, just make me six foot. I'll take five, 10, four inches. Like, cause I played volleyball and basketball and part of the soul formation I had to grow up in maturing is going, this is who I am. Sure. My body's going to be five foot six and I'm going to always be a little chubby. I'm going to struggle with some of these things. And, and if I'm not careful, my soul can get um, can get messed up because now all of a sudden I'm jealous because my body doesn't look the way I feel it should. Or do you think you could ever grow complacent in some of those things too? Yes. Well, this is now this is just who I am. Yeah. yeah and, and we see that all, I think that's also the reason why we see some people stop caring for their bodies is, yeah. well, I'm always going to have pain. So I'm just going to live in pain and I'm going to, I'm going to eat. And if I'm going to have pain, then I might as well do whatever I want. Right. Sure. So I, I, yeah, I think that's part of it. And I think the, the, beauty of the gospel and the soul. And I, I, I think uh, uh, Paul David Tripp in his forward, and I, I read a wonderful, I'm reading a wonderful book. I'm almost done with it. Um, what God Has to Say About Our Bodies by Sam Alberry. And what I like about Sam is he's a, a man who identifies as same-sex attracted, but has surrendered his sexuality to the Lord, just as God asks me to surrender my sexuality to him. Um, and because of that, he's chosen, I think he's celibate, I think that's the, the route he's chosen. But in this, uh, Paul David Tripp says, unfortunately, the thing we've made about the gospel is we've only made the gospel spiritual as if the gospel has no impact on our physical bodies. Sure. Yeah. And, and I get that when the gospel is only about getting you saved, getting you to heaven. Well, how is that good news for my body? Or what and, I'm currently going through right now. Like yeah. It's not just about the end goal. Like I'm a human. I'm living on earth. I have these physical needs. I have these mental needs. What does it do for me now? Yes. And and I think that the hard part is, is we assume that God's not loving if he doesn't heal or fix the problem. And God's like, well, no, you realize that I could heal and fix it, but another problem is going to arise because mm -hmm. this world is corruptible. 
I mean, I got to imagine as a doctor, you probably talk to individuals like, hey, if you don't change your eating, you're going to get diabetes. Oh, yeah. And do they change their eating? Probably not from my conversation. Right. <laughs> you can try to do the doom and gloom sometimes. And, <laughs> you know, each person obviously changes for different reasons. But, you know, they say the person who quits smoking has to attempt it seven times yeah. statistically. Wow. Um, so, you know, maybe I'm one of those seven, <laughs> seven times to say, hey, look, here's the side effects of what you might experience. Yeah. I see that with, with young people who are come in, they're 30 years old and they're raging alcoholics. Yeah. And I yeah. said, I've got a somebody who last week coded on my table because they're 10 years older than you and I couldn't stop their bleeding because their liver completely didn't function and their stomach was pushed out like a pregnant lady. Yeah. Um, that's where you're going to be in 10 years. Please stop. Yeah. Well, and I wonder if some of that also comes down to is, again, some people are like, well, I'm going to die anyway, so who cares? And it's like, wait a second, you're forgetting the impact that this has on a soul level, which I would say when you don't care about how your life affects other people, that's a soul oh, issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sure. Because like I look at my family and I, I've I've started going to a trainer again and I've talked about that and, and here's the reason why I talk about it. It sounds like you talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. It's accountability for myself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about it in a way of like, look what I'm doing. I know that the more I talk about it, the more people know that I'm doing it. And I know that psychologically, the way to create a habit is get accountability. And the best way to get accountability is to talk about it in a way that people are going to be like, hey, I thought you were working out, right? <laughs> oh, that's going to come back to bite you. Sometime. Yes, it is. And that's the point of it, right? That's yeah. the whole point. But some people, and again, let's think about what this says about their soul. Yeah. When somebody just says, well, I'm going to die anyways. Yeah. What does that tell you about their soul? And, and the gospel is, well, that is a true statement, but you have an impact on life now. Mm -hmm. And part of the gospel is on earth as it is in heaven, not just as it is in heaven. Yeah. So uh, if, if for somebody who's listening to this, so let's say we're dealing with somebody who maybe is struggling with their health or unhappy with their bodies, or, or even I have friends who just, they don't understand why God doesn't always heal or why God allows things to happen. Um, have you had to wrestle with those things? Because I got to imagine as a doctor, you've probably seen some pretty hard things. Mm -hmm. And, and I know in ministry, just being a pastor, I mean, I've been, I've encountered death. I've encountered a lot of heartache. I've had to come alongside of families in the midst of tremendous loss. And one, I don't want to ever be callous towards it. Mm -hmm. But at the other point, I have a perspective because of my faith yeah. that allows me to see it differently. What encouragement would you give to somebody who is maybe like, I, I just don't know if God is good because this thing or you say God is loving, well, then why isn't he taking this thing away from me? How would you, what would you say to encourage that person? If they were coming to you as a Christian, as a doctor, someone who deals with the body, mm. but also with the soul, how would you encourage them? Yeah. Big question. It's, he can edit this out to make yeah. it look like you had a faster answer. <laughs> it's going to be great. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know if you said it or not, but it, it stuck with me over the last month or so then let's say i said it hey, you may have said <laughs> it. I, didn't, I didn't hear it verbatim because uh, my wife has told me this but she said she heard it um and it may have come from pastor bang i, d I don't know but it had to do with the cross stitch well that was that was bang yeah, yeah. It was, bang yeah it, was... it had to do with that you know you look in the back of a cross stitch and it looks yes. so chaotic and on the other side is a beautiful piece of art i actually think i said i i think we both use the same illustration yeah. on the same weekend without meaning to but it's, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is our life, we're looking, obviously, when you're in 
duress and you're in pain or you're going through a hard time because there was a death or an accident or whatever whatever it may be yeah. you're looking at this very very small portion mm -hmm. of time and that's all you can fixate upon yeah and so just trying to emphasize that there is the life is so much more than that and that you are a continuum of you know from your cradle to your grave yeah and to try to look at that and and see you know you know maybe accentuate upon those things that have you've seen him, you know, you've seen God answer those issues yeah. in the past before um, and know that he can do it again. Um, but he doesn't always heal, you know, and there's, like we said, Paul, Paul had the thorn in his flesh and it was a maturing aspect. It stretches yeah. us. When he had to learn his grace was sufficient for him. Correct. Mm -hmm. And, and that doesn't mean that God doesn't care about your pain, yep. but the only way God is going to one day take away all the pain. But in order to do that, there has to be a death. Yeah. And I was, you know, as I was thinking through this whole idea of maturing, Jesus wasn't healed from the cross. Because healing would imply that he didn't die. Mm -hmm. He was resurrected. Yeah. People aren't healed from death. They're brought back from death. Death is the, the end of life. That is when the spirit goes to be with the Lord. Um, and I think that the more that I... The more that I'm seeing how important this conversation is, I think it's it's also moving into other areas because this is part of the issue with the gender conversation, where we have an, a, a movement now that has an agenda, basically saying, well, you know, it, it doesn't. To quote from what I said last week, did God really say there's male and female? We think there's a thousand genders. We think there's this. No, God says there's man and woman. There's male and female, and sometimes there's gender dysphoria which is a mental condition. Sometimes there's genetic, which is a bodily condition, an intersex condition, which those are, yeah. those are real things. We can't things. ignore those. But that's different than simply saying, well, I don't feel right. None of us feel right. Because that's part of our brokenness and our soul. If we're trying to match our souls, even the idea that our soul is what's absolutely true is not a true statement because our soul is still broken, broken by sin. Yes. And and the, the healing that needs to take place. And so... The only way that I, you know, I look at people and I look at my own life. If I'm trying to heal my soul by going to the gym and losing weight, I can lose all the weight. But guess what? That didn't fix my soul. I'm going to get fat again or I'm going to get unhealthy again. Why? Because the weight was the symptom of the bigger issue. Likewise, if, if I've got depression and how quickly we identify ourselves with our problems, what's wrong with our physical being, our mental being. It's almost trendy nowadays. It's in people's Twitter bios. Yes. Like... ADHD, it, they put it in there. It's, it's, like a, it's, it's like a marketing thing. Well, and there's, and there's an element, Jaden, I think that we're sometimes, yes, it's sometimes we say it coyly, right? You know, ADHD, love Jesus, right? But I think other people, they lean into that identity. And the thing is, the gym, when the gym becomes my identity, when the mirror becomes my identity, my soul gets out of whack. Sure. Now, all of a sudden, when I focus on my physical health, I, it comes at the expense of something else. And we can't balance those legs out ourselves, going back to the stool illustration, no matter how many, I can do this, this, and this, but the thing that balances me out is my identity in Christ. Mm -hmm. That's what brings healing to my soul. I still have to take care of those things because I'm a steward, but I cannot over fixate. And in the minute, even if I put, if I elevate my soul above all else, well, that comes at the expense of my body or my mental. And, and so how we, that divine dance yeah. So to speak, there's got to be something supernatural that only happens through identity in Christ. Hey, Cole, man, I just so appreciate you being here. And I want to have you back again. I think it'd be fun. Plus, now I can say we have a doctor on our podcast. Uh -huh. <laughs>
<laughs> I was just thinking we're, we're just going to completely brand uh, after this episode all around him. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's a permanent fixture now. You're now every it's Thursday. Like we were going to call the podcast Soul MD, and it was going to be great. Soul MD. Uh, yeah. I'm a DO, though. So oh, I don't know, you know, that don't is. know what that is. Uh, doctor of osteopathy. So what is osteopathy? What is osteopathy? Well, here's a brief. So these uh, osteo's bone, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> back in the late 1800s, the medicine of the day was you cut off limbs. You Glad we don't do that anymore. Bone saws, right? <laughs> yeah. You got shot by a by a slug. They poured hot oil in it, right? So people were dying. You gave them mercurial agents to vomit. <laughs> And you gave him heroin and morphine. So medicine wasn't that great. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's 150 years ago, right? So a guy named A.T. Still had three kids that died from meningitis. And oh, wow. the medicine of the day couldn't fix them. Yeah. He said, there's got to be something better. And so he started looking for other alternative options. So magnets were cool at the time. So they were looking for magnets. Could magnets heal the body? They started looking for bumps on your head, phrenology. Phrenology, is that where phrenology yeah. came from? Oh, I just learned All something right. new. Yeah. I want one of those skulls for my table, yeah. for my desk. So they would phrenology. look and see, oh, can we diagnose? <laughs> Do you know what it is? Have you seen no, it? No, I just don't want to walk into a pastor's office with a skull, skull on no, his desk. No, it's not a skull. It's not a skull. It's a head that's bald that has all these, like... You're not like, making picture... it any better. No, no, no. Picture, like, okay, you know how they have the picture of the steak yeah. that has it cut up? Sure. Now it's the brain, but, like, if you pr- if you press this, it does this, and yeah. it's really cool. Oh, so it talks to you. No, you it's not. It's you have not, a talking skull in here. Simon room. says. Jason. Okay, so anyhow, so he he looked all over, and he fa- he eventually found these um these people who were called bone setters, and bone setters have been present in in tribal groups for years and years, and they would be the people that would you know if you dislocated a shoulder, they'd put it in in the tribe. But he found that structure and function of the body worked better. If the body was in better structure, it would function better. So does chiropractic fall within Dio then? No. So then Daniel David Palmer saw oh, what wow, the Dios were, were doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't know we were going to go here. This is awesome. Yeah, so so Palmer came and saw the DOs, which was A.T. Still and a few of the people that he was teaching um, how to do this. And the people said, well, this is really working. If you fix the body, it works better. Palmer came in and saw what they were doing, and he went off in his offshoot to chiropractic medicine mm-hmm. and kind of had his methods. The DOs um, started in Kirksville, Missouri, and then went on Des Moines was where I trained. Um, Des Moines was the second DO school. And a lot of it was mainly worked on manipulation of the body get the body in better structure it'll function better okay. you have something bad in your low back it it directly correlates with the um the gut and the gut well you'll start pooping when you start getting your sacrum so it all comes back to poop it's all back to full poop. circle it is i was actually going to say it all comes back to our conversation to say if the soul is in better structure yeah. Everything else falls into where it should yeah, be. Structure and function. Oh, there we go. Oh, that's, you just earned your paycheck wow, right there, that's buddy. That's the only reason I was yeah. here for 37 you just, minutes. You just earned your paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> so anyhow, the D, then the DOs uh, progressively added in some medicines, but they were pretty much against the medicine of the day because it didn't work. Um, and eventually, probably by like the 1970s or so, the MD pathway, which had done a lot of research and done better with medicine, came and coincided with the DO pathway. So when I went to med school, I did four years of med school, just like a MD would do. Yeah. During my first two years of training, though, and while I was 
doing dissection of the human body like an MD would do. I was also touching my classmates and learning how to... <laughs> Jamie looks so freaked out right now. Dissection. <laughs> and um, learning how to, with those muscles that I was seeing on that table, what it feels like on a person and trying to um, fix how those muscles were ta overly taut or the muscle or the bones were out to manipulate them back in. So we do a lot of the same techniques as a chiropractor might yeah. do, but I uh, we come from it come at it from a different tech uh, different methodology. They so what you're saying this. is is that if I'm out of whack, I can call you, you and it. say, Cole, I yeah. need an adjustment. You got it, dude. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, man, it's so great to have you on here. I can't. Thanks. I want to have more. Lots of learning. So, well, I know what I love, and this is part of what I enjoyed about our conversation when we did lunch is uh, I love that you have this theology side. But you also understand the biology side, and um, you care about both. Yeah, mm -hmm. oh, for like sure. that was the part I was like, "Oh, this guy cares about theology. He cares about what we believe, and, and we don't always have to agree on stuff." But man, what great conversation! So, hey, Cole, so thank you so much for being here. This is great. Uh, hey, uh, thank you guys for watching. Uh, next week, next week's going to be a good one. Uh, we're going to be looking at beginning, looking at the mind and how that connects to our soul and then how that even connects to our body. Maybe we should have you on again and we'll get... Tell me about your mother. <laughs> that was my best Freud voice. That is, <laughs> is that your German? Tell me about your mother. That's German. No, that's Colonel Klink. <laughs> Colonel Klink. I see nothing. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, thanks for watching. See you guys next week. Bye -bye. And uh, have an awesome week. <laughs>